Hey everyone, welcome to the podcast for the Vineyard Church in Campbellsville, Kentucky. If you haven't already, we encourage you to check out our audio archive at vineyardcampbellsville.org. You can also subscribe on iTunes or wherever you like to get podcasts. And now, here's this week's message brought to you by Senior Pastor Adam Russell. Hey, good morning, everybody. My name is Adam. I'm the pastor here. And we're going to receive one more offering this morning. If you guys have the baskets, come on up. Go ahead and pass those around. Once a month, we receive a least of these offering and 100% of everything we receive in this moment. Uh, it just goes to help uh, the needy in Campbellsville, which they're here. Uh, we want to be generous. Uh, the Bible says if you lend to the poor, you lend to the Lord. And uh, we actually believe that. So I'd encourage you. Do what you can there. And if you want to text to give to the least of these, you can. You can just push uh, your little number in there and then put L-O-T with it. And that lets Andrew know which direction to place it in the budget. So thank you all for that. Um, If you've got your Bible with you, if you have your Bible with you or if you have your phone, go ahead and open up to John chapter 20. Uh, The title of today's message is uh, Signs of the Age to Come. Signs of the age to come. We're going to read several verses this morning, uh, verses 19 through maybe about 29 or so. But before we get to the text, I I just want to start here. Uh, How many of you remember like original Mario Brothers? You guys remember original Mario Brothers? We've been talking about this. It's been coming up lately. It's been a part of my brain lately. Uh, But do you guys remember how original Mario Brothers, everything was like, 8-bit, and you can see the little pixels, and even the little music is kind of weird, isn't it? Especially when you think about it today. You know, some of us think about those games or even that music, and we have a good bit of, a, of nostalgia, but, but there's, there's something sort of simplistic about it. And, and now if you see a modern video game, you realize the modern ones are in some ways, they're not even connected. You know, it's like the modern video games, some of them look like movies. Have you seen some of the CGI graphics that are a part of it, and, the, and the, the depth of the storytelling. And I guess I wanted to start here with, with Mario Brothers as a contrast to maybe the things that are being produced for gamers today. I guess I wanted to start there because in some ways, that's a really good image of what life versus resurrection life is like. Resurrection is life, but in high resolution. That's what, that's what resurrection is. And so when Jesus was raised, it was, it was the beginning of, of a higher resolution life coming into our current space. That's really what it is. And what you don't know right now is that on your best day, you're still living at low resolution. And there is a day that's coming when everything is going to be turned up and you're going to have greater clarity and greater vision and greater depth and greater experience. Uh, see, resurrection isn't, isn't an evaporation of this present life. Uh, the age to come is not that you and I will leave the planet and we'll leave this place behind and we'll go and live in heaven. That's actually not the story of the Bible. The story of the Bible is that heaven is going to come to earth and earth is going to be made right and everything is going to be as it should. And what that means is you're finally going to live life at high resolution. You're going to see life for what it really is. You're going to experience life for the way it really was meant to be experienced uh, in the depth, uh, here, here's what that also means. It means even down to the things of, uh, of things like, like 
colors you haven't seen, smells you have not experienced. Everything up to this point is still tainted. And the resurrected Jesus is the first payment, the first sign that God is going to turn everything from 8-bit up to full resolution. That's, that's what's coming, right? And so I wanted to start there today uh, because the second thing I wanted to say is that Easter is not a day, it's a season. And so if you were to look at the church calendar, maybe not so much for folks like us, and by that I mean kind of like lowbrow charismatics in the middle of Kentucky, but, but if you were to look at maybe the higher end uh, or the high church side of things, uh, they know that Easter is a season, and so from Easter into Pentecost, it's called Easter Tide. Why don't you say Easter Tide this morning? And the reason that Easter is a season and not a day is because the church universal understands that there is a day coming which will not end, and the day that is coming which will not end is life at high resolution. That's what's coming. The day that will end is the 8-bit life we're living right now. That's coming to an end. And so as a prophetic window or a prophetic prism into the age to come, uh, the church understands that Easter is not a day, it's a season. And so that's what we're going to do. For the next six weeks, we're going to, we're going to lean into Easter tide. And Easter is a, is a time of feasting. And so what I would encourage uh, this church to do for the next Six and a half, seven weeks right up to Pentecost. I would encourage everyone here to lean into a mindset of feasting. Because life at full resolution is a life of abundance. It's not life of scarcity, it's life of extra, right? And so I would encourage everybody here to lean into a season of feasting. But what I want to do today is I want to read you one of the passages from the Gospel of John, and this is a post-resurrection passage, and one of the things we see in the passage here in John are a few signs of the age to come. We see a few signs of what it looks like when life is lived at full resolution rather than 8-bit. And uh, there are some things we can anticipate, and so I want to share with you those three things this morning. And Kate, if we can put up the little outline. Here's what life at full resolution means. Number one, the surprising presence of Jesus. Number two, forgiveness all the way down. And by the way, Hannah and I, we did not talk about the message and the worship this morning. The Spirit knows. And then number three, the power of scars. So that, that's today's message, and we're going to maybe unpack that just a little bit. But first, I want to read the passage to you from John chapter 20. So if we could put that up, Kate, that would be great. Uh, It goes like this, Uh, that Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid, you could just underline that, of the Jewish leaders, and suddenly Jesus was standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said, and as he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and his side, and they were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. And again he said, peace be with you, as the Father has sent me, So I'm sending you. And then he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, they're forgiven. And if you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Woof. And one of the 12 disciples, Thomas, 
nicknamed the twin, he was not with the others when Jesus came. And they told him, we've seen the Lord. But he replied, I won't believe it unless I see the nail wounds in his hands and put my fingers into them and place my hand into the wound in his side. And eight days later, the disciples were together again. And this time Thomas was with them and the doors were locked. But suddenly, as before, Jesus was standing among them. Peace be with you, he said. And then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and look at my hands and put your hand into the wound in my side. Don't be faithless any longer, but believe. My Lord and my God, Thomas exclaimed. And then Jesus said to him, you believe because you have seen me. Blessed are those who believe without seeing me. That's the text this morning. I want to start by giving maybe a little bit of context for the passage. Uh, this is post-resurrection. Uh, Jesus is alive and the disciples are hiding in a house. Uh, the women have been to the tomb and uh, Mary Magdalene has actually seen Jesus. She thought he was the gardener, but she has seen Jesus. Uh, not only that, but but John and Peter have also been to the tomb and they've seen the empty tomb. And the community that was closest to Jesus, uh, they're all in this house behind locked doors. And I think the way you would say it is uh, they're out of sorts. I think the word you might use would be bewildered. Uh, there's, there's a good bit of cognitive dissonance happening. On the one hand, uh, everybody knows dead people don't become alive people. And Mary has said she's seen them. And Peter and John are saying, well, we definitely have seen an empty tomb. And so the community around Jesus is, well, they don't know. They just don't know. They don't know what's happened at this point. They're getting some inklings, but it's hard to believe that a dead person is alive. They're bewildered. And uh, the problem with that is, uh, is that Jesus is actually alive. And, and it brings us to our first sign, which is, the surprising presence of Jesus. Uh, the age to come, life at full resolution, the age to come is when there will be no separation between God and man, God and his people. Revelation says that at the end of the age, heaven is going to come down to earth and there's going to be this overlapping between God's space and human space. It'll be a time of complete connection and complete union. And Paul says, as much in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, he says that there's a day coming when we will know everything completely just as God knows us completely. That's what the age to come is. It's this, this moment of complete connection. Uh, the age to come is a moment of complete revelation, complete knowledge, uh, absolute embrace uh, because God's glory will be all around us. But the amazing thing about the resurrection is that it's already happening because Jesus has been raised from the dead. So those, those realities are already beginning to break in. And, the, and the, the life of the age to come is already being poured out. And one sign is what we might call the surprising presence of Jesus. I hope you noticed in the text this morning that John says the disciples were afraid and they were locked inside of the house. And twice in this passage, it says that Jesus appeared among them. And I hope you noticed that in the passage, it never said anyone unlocked the door or opened it to Jesus, which is really wonderful, by the way. 
It's really wonderful. Jesus suddenly standing in their midst behind locked doors. Uh, this is such, such a picture of promise, such a picture of promise and hope. Uh, Jesus uh, is standing in the middle of their bewilderment. And, and one of the things I would want to say to the church this morning is this, that the surprising presence of Jesus uh, is standing behind everyone's locked doors this morning. Uh, the surprising presence of Jesus is standing in the middle of your fears this morning. Uh, the text says that they were locked behind the doors because they were afraid and they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. And here's basically what they were afraid of. They were afraid that what happened to Jesus was going to happen to them. You know, if they killed Jesus, the guy who multiplies food and, and, and heals little, little kids and, and, and welcomes uh, women and children, if they heal the guy who can walk on water, they're probably going to kill us too. And so they're locked behind the doors and they're, they're locked, not just not behind doors, but they're also locked with their fears. And part of what we see uh, this morning that's a really wonderful thing is that the surprising presence of Jesus will just bypass all of the locks that fear puts on our lives and he will stand in our midst. And this is a sign of the age to come. The sign when that, that moment when life is lived at full resolution, when there is no separation between you and the very presence and the glory and the goodness of God. It's already beginning to break in. Uh, Jesus will just bypass the locks and the doors of fear. One of the things I'd like to say to the church this morning is there are no locks that Jesus can't stand behind. Uh, there are no doors that he will not bypass. And this morning, if your life is locked up with fear, if your heart is hiding behind the locks of pain or disappointment, uh, if, your, if your life is bound in some way, know this, that Jesus will bypass your locks and he will stand with you. He will bypass your locks and stand with you. Uh, the presence of God is not something for later, but it's actually, it's actually now. Uh, this present age, this present age is filled with fear and anxiety and sadness and bewilderment and confusion and hardship, but the age to come is filled with peace and presence. And the good news for everybody in the room is that you can experience that today. You don't have to, it's, it's not later, it's today. It, it's, it's already beginning to be poured out. It was already in the room like this morning while we were in worship. Um, one of the things that was sort of interesting is uh, already this morning in worship, such a wonderful like, presence of Jesus. And um, like two people came to me with prophetic words this morning, right before I started speaking. Like why? Because the presence of Jesus is here. And when the presence of Jesus is here, the word of God is among us. And, and the encouragement and hope of the age to come is being poured out. And so prophetic words would be in our midst. So Jesus, standing behind every locked door. Number two, signs of the age to come. Forgiveness all the way down. Uh, this passage is stunning. Uh, disciples are behind locked doors. They're afraid. They're confused. And Jesus shows up, and the first words out of his mouth to the disciples, who are afraid and confused, uh, the first words out of his mouth is, peace to you. And he says this three times in the little passage we read this morning. He says it to the disciples twice, almost immediately. He says, peace to you. Uh, as the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. Peace to you. 
And then when Thomas is like, I'm not going to believe unless I touch his hands inside. And then he shows up eight days later to Thomas. Guess what are the first words out of his mouth to the disciples and specifically to Thomas? Peace to you. Peace to you. Uh, and this is, I don't know, it's one of the most beautiful moments in the whole Bible. It's just, it, it's just stunning. It's, it's more than a greeting. Uh, Jesus is speaking to the issues in the disciples' heart because they're such... They're such surprising words for us. Uh, These disciples are the ones who followed Jesus for three years. They heard all of his sermons and saw all of his miracles. And these disciples are the ones who were by Jesus' side. Uh, And some of these disciples were the ones who said to Jesus, uh, no matter what happens to you, I'm never going to leave you. Peter said, Jesus, I'm ready to die with you. And before, before that week ended, Peter had denied Jesus three times, and every single one of these disciples, except for maybe John, every single one of them deserted Jesus in his time of need, right? And so then Jesus shows up behind their locked doors of fear, and the first words out of his mouth to all of his best friends who had deserted him were, peace to you. It's forgiveness all the way down. I I so love this. Like, one of the most surprising parts of the gospel story is not just that Jesus was killed and it's not just that Jesus was resurrected, but when the resurrected Jesus goes back to his deserting, weak, and frail friends, the message out of his mouth is one of peace. He doesn't berate their frailty. Uh, he doesn't tell them, hey guys, I, don't you remember the things I told you? What the heck's the matter with you? When I really needed you, you were... You know, where were you? Where were you guys? Look, I'm back. There was none of that. None of that. Jesus doesn't do any of the lecturing. There's no lectures from Jesus. Isn't that amazing? No lectures from Jesus. Some of us, some of us have on the inside, like internally, we have we have we have hearts that are that are twisted because we're expecting at some point a lecture from Jesus. And one of the things I'd like to say this morning is there will be no lectures from Jesus. The word from Jesus to you will always first and foremost be peace to you. I bring you peace. He's coming in peace. The one person in the universe who actually has the right to judge you and to hold you accountable in some very specific way, in ways that you and I actually know about, right? Because we're keeping it written on the scorecard of our own heart. He, he comes up and there's no lectures about the things that we know are on the scorecard of our own heart. Instead, the things he says are peace to you. And then he gives this stunning word right in the middle of it. He says, look, disciples, if you forgive anybody, they're forgiven. And if you don't forgive, they're not forgiven. And, and he says this really weird thing right in the middle. And what I want you to see this morning is that the whole story from the beginning to the end, is actually about forgiveness. Jesus is not just teaching his disciples about forgiveness in that room. He's actually showing them what forgiveness is. And his words and his deeds are perfectly matching. And one of the reasons he can say to the disciples something like this, if you forgive people, they're forgiven. And if you don't, they're not. He can say this to them because he's actually showing up and he's forgiving the very disciples who were frail and who left him and had no strength and who bailed on him. He forgives them in the moment. And what he's really saying is, is you can give away the things I'm giving you right now. This is the this is the age to come. The age to come is where we just pass along the very things that 
that God is giving to us. It's not just the fears from the outside that put the disciples in that room. But Jesus was speaking to the deeper fears that kept them from standing with them in his time of need. He was speaking all the way down. And the age to come is when the peace of God will be poured into our fears. And the age to come is when the one who has the right to call us to account speaks a word of peace to us. And so Jesus says to his disciples, and then by extension he says to us, peace to you, everyone in the room. Uh, Peace to you who are unfaithful. Uh, Peace to you who are addicted. Uh, Peace to you who are not that strong. Uh, Peace to you who have been up and down in your walk with Jesus. Uh, Peace to you who never read your Bible. Uh, Peace to you who sometimes uh, speak harshly to your family and your friends. Uh, Peace to you. Peace to the fearful. Peace to the weak. Peace to you. It's forgiveness all the way down. That's who Jesus is. And then number three, signs of the age to come, it's the power of scars. The third sign of the age to come is a really surprising one, and it has to do with the scars of Jesus. He appears to the disciples. Thomas wasn't there. Then Thomas makes this insane demand. He says, I'm not going to believe unless I put my finger in in his hands and put my hand into his side which is such a bold thing to say. And what I really love is that within a week, Jesus comes back, and it's clear that Jesus has come back for Thomas, right? I mean, he's, he's shown up again, and he showed up for Thomas, and he actually, he actually condescends to Thomas's demand, which is just, what a, what a note of friendship, right? What a note of friendship. And he says to Thomas, hey, why don't you put your hands right here? And why don't you put your hand right here? Feel my side. Feel my side. Aren't you glad this story's in the Bible? Thomas says, unless I see his wounds, I won't believe. Jesus shows him his hands in his side. Uh, It's a stunning thing that the resurrected Lord has scars. The, the, the alive son of God, it's not just that his body that was dead has come back alive, but it's that the scars from his hands, his feet, and his side, that they remain. They're healed, but they remain. Uh, and one of the things that's kind of fun to think about this morning is that Jesus has a body even today. And uh, Jesus has scars even today. It's a scarred body. Uh, His wounds are healed, but the marks remain. Here's what that means for us. It means that there's no denial in the age to come. If Jesus has scars on his body, it means that there is no denial in the age to come. Uh, It also means that there's no no changing the subject. Uh, There's no acting like the past wasn't exactly what it was. Uh, Sometimes... Sometimes we, think, sometimes we think that the spiritual life is like just pretending this or that thing didn't happen. Or sometimes we, 
Sometimes we think that the spiritual life is getting to a point where, oh, I just, I don't, I don't worry with that anymore. Or I just, oh, that was like not a big deal. And part of what we see in the gospel story is that the resurrected body of Jesus still has scars. And so what that means for you and I is that all the spiritual bypassing and all the denial and all the pretending that we think is spiritual actually isn't spiritual at all. And in fact, it's brought to bear right into the center of the story. So for everybody here who has experienced uh, any kind of difficulty, any kind of hurt, or any kind of trauma in your life, uh, the resurrection life of Jesus, uh, life at full resolution, doesn't mean that those wounds are off subject, and it doesn't mean that those hurts are gone. It just means they're healed and they're actually a present part of our story. We don't have to act like the things that happened to us didn't happen to us or that the history we have isn't the history we have. God can redeem it and he wants to keep it in the story. And here's, here's where it gets very, very surprising. It's when Thomas feels the scars on Jesus' hands and feet and side. When Thomas feels them, faith is released. And Jesus is like, well, that's great for you, Thomas, but blessed are those who believe even when they don't see me. So high five to everybody in the room. <laughs> but, but here's what I would like to say to, to everybody who's in the room this morning uh, here at the vineyard. I would like to say that your hurts and your wounds and your scars, they actually have the power to release faith in other people. They have the power to release faith in other people if we will stop spiritual bypassing, if we will stop denial, and if we will stop pretending like they aren't what they really are. And if we will share our story, it actually releases faith in other people. It's not our winning that encourages people. It's oftentimes our losing that encourages people. It's oftentimes the places where we've struggled that people draw strength from because because that's just the way it is in the story of Jesus. You know, Thomas feels his hands and all of a sudden he realizes it's the Lord. And I would just like to say some of us here have stories that are pretty difficult and pretty painful. And I'm not saying take a megaphone and run out into the streets. But what I am saying is let the Lord heal you in your most hurt place. Let him heal you. And then, then never, never, never make that story off limits. <coughs> Begin to find places to tell that story. And not just tell it once or twice, but begin to tell the story over and over and over. Begin to tell people what God has done for you. Begin to tell people how Jesus has touched and healed you. Begin to tell people the way that resurrection has lifted up your life. And literally show them, show them your scars. Show them your scars. Here, here's what happens. It will release faith in those people, and they'll begin to say things not unlike, I see the Lord in you. I see Jesus in you. I'm beginning, to, I'm beginning to lay hold of who Jesus is in a whole new way because I've seen your struggle and I've seen your pain. You know, some of us here, we have some insane stories, and I, I would just say, bring those to Jesus. Let, let him heal you. Let him heal you and show people your scars. Show people your scars. There's a difference between showing people your scars and your wounds, by the way. Right? Yeah. Big difference. Right? Yeah. If, you, if you're still wounded, bring that to Jesus and maybe some, a much smaller circle of people. Right? 
people who have gifts of healing, all right? But then once, once the wounds get healed, we want to we bring those out. Um, in, the, in the addiction world, the most, the most profound healers in the addiction world are people who have overcome addiction, right? Um, in, in almost any, any place, like it's, it's people who have experienced it. That's, that's the people who have, who have something really extra to say. Uh, there, there are people in this room and you've maybe experienced, you've maybe experienced, you know, really, really bad families and maybe you've been, you've been harmed. Uh, some people here have, have tremendous stories of trauma. I would say, bring your story to Jesus, let him heal it. And then as your life progresses, God will show you these moments when it's actually time to share the things that, that you've experienced and maybe even just the wreck that your, that your home was and how God has delivered you and you show people your scars and it actually releases faith and assurance for them. Why? Because there are people right now. There are people right now and they need to know that God is with them in the pain and that he will bring them through and that he can heal it and your life is a testimony. It's the power of scars. One of the things that this present age says is it says hide, right? Hide, hide, hide behind a door, lock the door or, or hide, hide the scars. Don't show them, right? Buy a turtleneck. <laughs> but Jesus shows his scars and it releases, releases faith. So what about today? What about today? Well, the good news is uh, this is a season of feasting, and there's a few things we can feast on as a church. The surprising presence of Jesus. No matter what's happening in your life, uh, no matter what has you locked up, Jesus will stand in the middle of it. He will stand right in the middle of it. You, like even if, you don't, even if you don't unlock the door, he's already standing in the middle of it. One of the things we can feast on this morning, number two, is forgiveness all the way down. Like, Jesus isn't forgiving your surface stuff. He's, he's forgiving the stuff that's at work in the marrow of you. All the way down in the marrow. Like, in the very places where we've, where we've failed Jesus, you know? In the very places where you said, oh, Jesus, oh, you can count on me, you know? I'll never fail you, Jesus. And then you, you wreck it. Jesus shows up and he's got a word for you and it's peace to you. Forgiveness all the way down. And, and number three, we can feast on this this morning, that our wounds can become scars that release faith in the people around us. Our wounds can be scars that release faith in the people around us. Uh, this is the feast of Easter and I would invite everybody in the church to it. So why don't we do this this morning? If you're on the worship band, come back on up. We're gonna sing one more time, church. Thanks again for stopping by the podcast of the Vineyard Church in Campbellsville, Kentucky. If you'd like to keep up with what's happening at the Vineyard, you can follow us on social media. Until next time.